Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99 Chart, 888 99 CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. I have a treat for you today. Justin Klein's with me. We're both live right now. It's been a while since yeah. we did a show together. So he's sitting right next to me. We're sitting right next to each other. So when we uh, disagree on something, we can disagree face to face. Yeah, which we do occasionally. Occasionally, yeah. Anyway, thanks for joining us today on Invest Talk. And time seems to be moving pretty fast and faster all the time. Anyways, our data objectives to make you an above average investor, as you know, we've mentioned it almost every time, and to help you achieve that. And we promise to give you unbiased insight and unbiased opinions on what's going on out there. And hopefully, you'll supply us with some questions so we can answer. So you can get through to Invest Talk anytime you want. Our anytime listener line number is 888 99Chart. You can dial it right now if you like. Now, yesterday, there was about a 500-point swing, swing swing in the down. It seems like, Justin, that's gone on for, what, how many days in a row? And uh, like, yeah. Not unusual anymore. Yeah, well, we're, I think what we're having right now is price discovery in the market. You know, we've had so so many years of, of very low, low, uh, next to 0% interest rates, and uh, it, it just kept the market kind of going up. Uh, and now that... The, the longer term, you know, I guess I guess a medium trend uh, term trend is broken. Uh, the market's trying to find uh, an equilibrium price between, uh, you know, tighter liquidity uh, situation with central banks tightening monetary policy, and then uh, the economy is still doing relatively well. Yeah, but you've seen in the market itself. I'll, I'll agree with you all that, Justin. But you see the market itself, the, the leadership has definitely changed. Yes. Yeah. The yeah. NASDAQ, the tech stocks, they, they've not been doing nearly as well. And uh, you, I don't know how many times you listen to the shows that I do, but I've been talking for a while that tech is just not the place to be yeah, around. Yeah. I've been doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not, you know, this is a place that's one thing that Justin and I agree on. Tech is not where to go. Growth stocks are not where you want to be. People don't want to hear that though, because uh, tech is don't. exciting. It's an interesting name, and they all yeah. want to still get into the you know the Fang stocks. Is it cheap enough to get into the Fang stocks? Should I buy it now? Yeah. Uh, well, somebody asked yesterday if I should, it's time to cut back on Apple. Well, a, they're a little late for that. Yeah, a little late for that. <laughs> you anyway. Anyways, did you see that Google? Ref- you know, Google has refused to work with the U.S. military. They refuse to do that because they don't want to have anything to do with the U.S. military. But at the same time, they have that. They're developing some search and track methods for the Chinese, which is all going to be used for the Chinese government to oversee their citizens and what they're looking at, what they're doing. So they're helping their Chinese with surveillance, but they certainly want to, don't want to do it with the U.S. Well, they left China in 2010 because of how uh-huh. China you know, controls the Internet. Yeah. They have abusive tactics, et cetera, and now they're going to help them. It's kind of yeah, weird. Yeah, it seems kind of weird to yeah. me. Anyway, and you do remember that Google does own YouTube, and the two main search engines that anybody uses for anything is Google search and YouTube search. I yeah. mean, 
And that's why I've said uh, of all the Fang stocks that yeah. are that that I like longer term, Google is one of my favorites. Mine too. I, I do think everyone's moving to YouTube and uh, a lot of the the the, the factors or the, the the places that people continue to go uh, from traditional media is uh, owned by Google, and I think everyone's just going to use Google to search. Yeah, the only fear I have about Google is that they're so big that the government could break them up. That's true, or or limit their power. Yeah, right? limit their ability so, to make more money. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and limit their power by maybe well, you got to sell off YouTube, or you got to. You know, they've done that before. You, AT&T, my day, you know, controlled all phones. Yeah. Every phone, 100%. Well, it was a legalized monopoly. Yeah. Well, also, and then they a, broke them up. The reason why Facebook and Google are so uh, valuable and powerful is their, their ability to track your, your user data uh, and sell it to advertisers, right? Yeah. And so if the government limits the uh, amount of data they can collect or the type of data they can collect, that could uh, change their business model that's right. dramatically. So that's yeah. probably the biggest uh, biggest dear, risk, fear, yeah. danger to their exactly. to their model. Yeah. Now, in a few minutes or so, we're going to look at invest an, a particular investor trend that has worked for most of the past decade, but that has fueled a lot of stocks. But is that trend breaking down now? We're going to take a look at that. First, let's make a time. Let's make up. Let's make some time for a question. Or anytime, this line is always open. 888-99-CHART. Uh, hello, Steve and Justin. Dave from St. Louis. I'm 39, uh, retired Air Force, and I currently have a traditional TSP that contains a life cycle fund. I also have an account with an IRA with Fidelity. And my question is, should I leave the TSP alone or roll it over into a traditional IRA or to a Roth and uh, pay my taxes? Just kind of wondering what I need to do with it or if I just need to kind of leave it alone and let it go. I'll listen to your answer on the podcast. Thank you. Generally, uh, when you leave a former employer and take either a 401k or TSP or whatever type of retirement account you have, generally we recommend rolling it over into an IRA simply because it gives you a lot more freedom. Yeah, you're talking about the life cycle fund that you're you're in and you're limited to a small set uh, of uh, funds and you know, while you're working, uh, you just got to deal with it. You know, that's why we have active 401k for those that have current 401k plans. Uh, but if you leave that job, rolling the 401k opens you up to buy individual stocks, uh, all the mutual funds that are available out there in the marketplace. ETFs. You can buy bonds, ETFs. So yeah. you have a lot more uh, flexibility. Now, should he roll it into a Roth? Now, that depends on your tax bracket. If you're in a low tax bracket, then you might want to roll some of it uh, into a Roth or, or all of it. Uh, so that's more of a question for a CPA uh, to answer and create a, a tax plan for how much of that should go into a Roth, if any. Yeah, that's you really probably we need to talk to you about that. Find out more what your personal situation is. Yeah, and then advise you on that. So. Yeah. So if you want to have a more direct conversation with us and maybe uh, your your own situation. Uh, give us a call or, or uh, shoot us an email from uh, investtalk.com. Jeff in Pleasanton. How you doing, Jeff? Hey, I had a question on uh, actually one of these pro funds, you know, counter-correlation yeah. funds. Yes. And I specifically on the one that tracks uh, negatively on the uh, NASDAQ 100. And I see there are two funds. There's a USPIX and a USPSX. 
And it sounds like they sort of track the same thing, but the difference seems to be that their loads seem to be different. I, yep. I don't quite understand why. Want me to tell you why? Yeah. Pro Funds is a very good fund family. They're a lot like uh, Ridex. They have these negative correlated funds. But to answer your specific questions, Jeff, ProFunds and Bridex both have different class shares. One is available to you, the public, you. And you can buy and sell them all day long. Another one has a fee built in there for us, registered investment advisors. Okay. So you don't want the one with the fee. <laughs> No, in other words, a registered investment advisor, I can manage your money, and I can right. buy this particular pro fund, and they'll pay me a fee just because I buy it. I see. You no, don't want that one. And you'll find that the a net asset value is different. In other words, it doesn't perfectly correlate. The both of them don't. Oh, really? Okay. I guess I'm going to sort of assume the one with the lower load probably is the one for the public. But That's right. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. That's one you want. Yeah. There is there, both of them are no loads, by the way. It's a fee. That's a twelve b one fee. Yeah, the management fee. You're the right. management yeah. fee. Yeah. Yeah. So just be aware that that's why there's two. Of, they do the exact same thing, but they're two yeah. different class shares. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Appreciate the yeah. call, Jeff. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Eight 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 nine nine two four two is our number. What are we going to talk about today? Well, we have a lot of things we're going to discuss. But how about uh, is the stock market overreacting? To what to to economic fears is the fear of the economy, which we have talked about. I'm sure Justin has too about the next coming recession because they're always coming. It doesn't matter when. Yep. And, and the question is, is the market overreacting to that? Yeah, and like I'm talking about, is the market is slow, or the economy is slowing down? Right. You're coming from early in the year. You had three four percent GDP growth. Now I think the Atlanta Fed's GDP figure for the fourth quarter is at two point four percent. So you're having a slowing economy, and that's why uh, the market's slowing. And, of course, we'll be talking to some other talking points by the end of the hour, hopefully. You're listening to Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley here with Justin Klein, and we're headed into a really quick one-minute break. On the other side, I will talk about apparently changing by the dip trend and what this might mean for mar the market going forward. And, of course, I'm taking your questions at 888-99-CHART. Listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though, 888 99 Chart, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. 888 99 Chart, 888 992 So the pattern that's been pretty, pretty much an enduring pattern for since 2009 is buy the dips in the market. Anytime you get a 10% correction, you buy it. That has always been the way to go because there was a rally immediately after. And now, Justin, it seems like that trend is starting to falter, starting to break down. Doesn't that kind of remind you of another period, maybe when you first started with my grandfather in the late 90s? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the dot-com breakdown. Mm -hmm. You know, you, Nothing just starts in a vacuum, everybody. Things start to happen before the market, bear market comes. Mm -hmm. And it... it feels like the same kind of thing. I don't know if we're nearly as stretched to the upside as back then. We're stretched to the upside, but I don't know if, if the extent is there. Yeah, it depends on the metric you use and what you're looking at. You know, no no uh, market top looks the same, right? There are no. always similarities, but differences as well. Yeah, but, but there has not been any kind of an exhaustive sell-off to tell us that the 
the correction or whatever you want to call it is over. I, yeah. that, there's not been nothing to tell us it's done. You know, it, there's more things that tell us it's got more to go. Yeah, there's, there's not been a spike in volume and fear. The VIX. People, people remain worried, right? They're in that nervous phase. They're not in some sort of capitulation. I got an email the other day. I literally from the web, our website just said, is this capitulation? I saw that. I saw I'm, I'm thinking, what is he talking about? And, and I wanted to say, well, the fact that you're asking that means no, yeah. right? You'll know it. <laughs> yeah. You'll know it because it would be so gut-wrenching for you to be uh-huh. buying stocks. That's capitulation is when it's so hard for you to just muster the, the courage to buy stocks. That's when you know. It's yeah. capitulation. And, you know, you still have some very, pretty big concerns hanging over the market. And that's, you know, over the Chinese trade, you know, uh, Fed's position on raising interest rates. You know they're going to raise them in December here. Well, are they going to raise them three more times next year? These are very, very large. And we were just talking about, what about the EU? Germany looks like it's fallen into recession. Uh, France, they're, 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 with the strikes going on there. That, they're riding the streets. Yeah. I mean, is the EU? How about Brexit? Brexit? They they had to postpone that vote. Uh, there's too much stuff going on that is kind of uncertain out there. Yeah, and uh, we talk about the liquidity situation, and I think that's why the buy the dip mentality is no longer uh, uh, in in force, right? Because uh, you have the Fed tightening policy, and the ECB has been tightening policy. They cut their QE in half at the beginning of the year, and they're going to cut it completely. Uh, starting the beginning of next year, just in what two weeks, three weeks. Yeah. Uh, so, so what are you doing about it? Have you already reacted? We talked about this on, at nauseum over the over the summer. You need to you know protect yourself against the coming correction and the market next year's or the year after's recession, and you start to migrate now. Are you guys doing that? Have you done it? Well, the thing is, most people don't realize is that corrections and just general drops in the market they happen a lot quicker than the market going up. Yeah, right? they do takes the stairs up and the elevator down. You saw that in October. I mean, yeah. October was one of the bloodiest months we've had in a long, long time. Yes. This is Best Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. And, of course, I'm here with Justin Klein. And I invite you to check out our new online training experience the, called the Invest Talk Academy. I will be teaching a class this Thursday. Justin teaches it next Wednesday. He taught it last Wednesday. So, the next following Wednesday. So, you know, if you're interested in this, uh, I'm going to be talking about insurance, insurance, plain old born insurance, and also insurance as an investment. So, this would be a great class to tune into. And you get to, you get to listen to our previous classes if you sign up. And you go to investtalkacademy.com to do so. And now I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888-99-CHART, 888-99-CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. 888-99-CHARTER is our number, 888-992-4278. Siraj, Fremont, how you doing, Siraj? Yeah, I'm fine, uh, uh, Steve. Thank you. I have a question on the mutual fund. Sure. I want to know what the redemption fees are because I see there's no load mutual funds and there's a redemption fees and it's say 2% 
and what they mean they charge you 2% when you sell the mutual fund or they don't charge if you sell after like certain months 3 months 6 months what that means you pretty much you kind of know what it is a redemption fee even though it's a no load mutual fund a redemption fee it means that if you sell it before a certain length of time and so Raj you have to ask them it could be 3 months 6 months or a year it could be 9 months you have to hold it for that length of time and then there'll be no redemption fee that's what that means so the redemption fee is because you're selling it sooner than they want you to sell it so if we keep it for that longer term so there should not be redemption fee right correct it goes away okay all right that's the only question i have thank you very much appreciate it raj okay let's go to jerry in pittsburgh hi jerry hey how do you decide or is it appropriate to like if you have my particular 401k you know they give you so many large uh-huh, cap uh-huh. mid cap whatever and you stick with the one fund you're in or do you use the 200 day moving average when do you decide to get in and out okay. of a fund very good question how do you decide to invest into your 401k and when do you move stuff around very good questions about every 6 months you should probably look at your 401k and make some adjustments based on what you think is going to happen in the market or call this show yeah that's fine but how to invest the smartest and best way to do it and the easiest way for you to do it is dollar cost average in it works over time dollar cost average means you invest once a month or every paycheck a certain amount and you split it up consistently the same way every time when the market goes down in an actuality when your dollar cost averaging you would want the market to go down that doesn't sound right does it but you do because as the market goes down you're buying more and more shares of the mutual funds that you're going to be in the market never goes down forever never has since the great depression it has not gone down forever so if you bought all the way down during this recent 2000 2001 2002 you kept buying a dollar cost averaging in you would have made a a lot of money in 2003 wouldn't have you mine went up you would have made up most of the money <laughs> right because you had more and more shares at lower and lower prices you were driving your price of the shares down over that period of time what is the biggest danger for people who dollar cost average is they stop dollar cost averaging when the market goes down and then they start up again when the market goes up that means you're paying higher prices and when you can get it at lower prices you stop buying it that makes no sense so you got to be able to weather the storm of the market whatever storm that is and keep doing it okay harry in san jose how you doing harry hey doing good steve long time listener and appreciate the education you provide on the show i had a question regarding 401k rollover i am rolling over my 401k to an ira with my bank and as the usual uh, stuff i have set up a uh, appointment with the advisor with my bank i wanted to know if i don't want to be a couch potato investor and if i want to actively manage my funds yes. how should i go about what would you recommend well i don't know if i would roll it over into a bank because a bank is kind of limits you to whatever they're going to offer you now he's going to you know a bank employee is you know they have people offer you mutual funds and a few things but are you going to try to do it yourself harry i'm planning to do it myself okay. uh, and i can trade stocks and mutual funds options on through my bank account i oh, have a broker account with them okay yes. and the trade fees are low i get up to 100 trades free per year and after that it's around 799 
Okay, that's not too bad. Then yeah, then that's what you should do. You could you could use the bank. Uh huh. I don't have a problem with it. It's just I thought they might be limiting you to you know because most banks you can't buy stocks. It depends on the bank, obviously. No, I have no problem with that. And you control and decide what you want to buy and sell. There's no issues there. Now, what you need to do though, Harry, is learn how to manage that portfolio of stocks or ETFs or mutual funds, whatever you're going to, and kind of don't buy too much of any one thing. There's rules that you got to kind of understand so you don't get you know, wiped out in one bad trade you know what i mean so be very very careful there got it okay yeah but Thanks. i have no problem with what you're doing sounds all right perfect Thank thanks you harry much. appreciate the call okay government shutdown you heard about this did you see the the tete-a-tete between uh, the republic uh, i heard Trump about something and, but i didn't really it was getting kind of steamy and it was broadcast live it was great oh i'm sure it was great reality you know, tv yeah it was great because you got Real life opinions from the horse, straight from the horse's mouth, that yeah. filtered through something. Yeah, through the media or something. Yeah, so it was, it was, it was good TV. I'll mm-hmm. say that. Mm-hmm. But it also was good to see how this works. Trump is going to, he said he'll take full responsibility for shutting down the government. It'll be on him. If he shuts down the government, it's his fault, and he's going to accept full responsibility for it, and he's going to do it. If that's what he says. If I don't get funding for my border wall, yeah. So this is this is his negotiation tactic. I know it is. Know? I know it. Is. I, I read his book. <laughs> it's very interesting. So, so he's, well, he, the Pelosi and crew, the Democrats are offered one and a half billion dollars for security, border security, but he, none of that's for the wall. And he wants five billion for the wall. You know, the wall is going to cost twenty-five billion. It's not that. that that's a, that. Yeah, that's not going to cover it. Yeah. But it was interesting. And the question is, if he shuts down the government, will the our stock market react? By personal feeling, Justin, is this going to be kind of a whole hum thing? Yeah, because it usually only lasts for a week or two. Yeah. Uh, and then all of that money that was held off from you know for those week or two are spent again. So yeah. it doesn't really matter. It's not like it really, really shuts down. Yeah. Tomorrow on Investoc, former Federal Reserve Chairman Yellen is openly warning of another potential financial crisis. Her concerns are leveraged loans and unfinished regulations. And that story is going to be tomorrow, everybody. But for now, I'm Steve Pisa with Justin Klein, and we're ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. To win, all effective investors use a process. And listeners call Talk every day asking to share our winning process. And they too can win using the right analytical tools. Just what do we use as our everyday go-to research tool? YCharts. It's a cloud-based financial research platform. It is indispensable. YCharts has the powerful tools of a terminal combined with the ease of use of a modern website. We use YCharts every day. YCharts is easy to navigate, visually awesome, and informative. YCharts has filters driven by thousands of metrics, Excel integration, and data visualization to create charts that compare stocks, funds, indices, and more. If you're a serious investor, you'll understand that the precision functionality in YCharts is not free. But YCharts has more horsepower and by far better data and filters compared to giveaway tools from Yahoo or Google. YCharts is a fraction of the cost of something like Bloomberg Terminal. And now our listeners can try YCharts for free. You just heard Steve and Justin endorse YCharts. It's the lightning-fast research, data filter, and charting tool they use every day for their investment portfolios. Think about it. 
Steve is right. Free software cannot come close to the power, speed, ease of use, and practical functionality of YCharts. And serious investors understand that YCharts can pay for itself with just one or two targeted investment selections. So here's your chance to take advantage of a free trial and a generous YCharts discount. Start by mentioning InvestTalk when you go to YCharts.com. Get serious. Get YCharts. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888-99-CHART, 888-99-CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART is our number, everybody. You can reach us. We have lines open, 888-992-4278. We're going to go to Dave in San Diego. How are you doing, Dave? I'm uh, uh, real new to this game, and I have uh, a question about IRAs. Okay. Yeah, I've got some money in a, uh, a 401k from an, uh, a different employer. Yes. And, uh, you know, I don't want to just leave it in there. No. You know, their 401. Right. And I'd like to roll it into an IRA. Yes. Two-part question on that. Would I be able to take the uh, IRA deduction if I do that? No, you would not, because it's already in, in a tax-deferred vehicle already in the okay. old 401k. So rolling okay. it over does nothing as far as being tax-deductible. Now, once okay. it's in an IRA, you can add to the IRA and deduct that amount you added. That is the second part of my question. Okay. I've heard a lot of talk, you know, you can have this and that in an IRA, you can have stocks, bonds, right. blah, blah, blah. How exactly do you do that? Okay, very good question. First of all, a 401k, if you work for some an employer who offers a 401k and then you stop working for them, the best thing to do is roll that into an IRA. But the question is, how do I do that? It's very, very easy. Depending on what you want to do with the IRA, of course, with a 401k, you have choices in mutual funds. You can roll that 401k into like a Fidelity, a Vanguard, a Schwab. I actually prefer Schwab, believe it or not, into an account. And all you do is go to them and say, I want to roll my 401k that I no longer work there at now into a new IRA, uh, let's say at the Schwab program where I can pick all, any and all mutual funds, no load mutual funds I want. And they'll be happy to do that. We do it all the time where someone comes to us and wants to roll it into one of our programs. We do it for them. We, of course, have to get the paperwork, but we do it for them. We roll it from a 401k into a custodian, maybe Bear Stearns or Schwab or, you know, there's many of them. And then from there, we manage the money on the IRA. Now, there is no tax consequences when you roll it directly from a tax-deferred 401k to a tax-deferred IRA. It's also not a contribution to an IRA because it's going from, you're just swapping. It's, it's an equal trade. And once you open an IRA, you can now add money to that IRA if you wanted to. You can contribute to the IRA. And of course, it depends on if you make too much money, you can't, but that's a pretty big number. You just go to whomever you trust that you want to roll this into. It could be a bank. And you want to just put in a savings account. You go to the bank and say, I want to roll this 401k into a savings account. They'll help you with the paperwork. It's very, very simple, Dave. And if you have more questions about it, just call me at the office, 800-557-5461. 800-557-5461. That's my office number. Be happy to discuss it at length with you. Thank you. Let's talk to Gwen in Castro Valley. How are you doing, Gwen? Good. How are you? Doing great. I'm a big fan of buy and rebalance. 
the portfolio. Okay. And I'm wondering what out there is going to work better over the next 20 years than buy and hold or buy and rebalance. Nothing. If you're talking about 20 years, Gwen, uh, buy and hold will work over that length of period of time. It hasn't worked in the last 10 years, have you noticed, buy and hold. But when you say rebalance, that's kind of key. Rebalance how and into what, okay? Uh, in an economic recovery, when a, in every economic recovery in the history, when the stock market, the stock market will rally six, nine months, sometimes 12 months before the economy shows any growth, okay? In that, the stock market recovery, the best stocks that move the fastest are going to be your small cap growth stocks. They've always done the best coming out of an economic recovery. So, if you're saying, I need to rebalance out of these bond funds because interest rates are so low and bond funds may not work going forward for a while, maybe I need to rebalance into a more aggressive stance, I would agree with you. Well, wouldn't your asset allocation determine where you should be selling and buying? Well, but some of the I like asset allocation. I don't want to disagree with anybody on asset allocation, but it depends on. I, I disagree with people who blindly asset allocate because they say I need to have this much money in bonds and this much money in stocks and this much money in precious metals or mining. See, so when you rebalance again, rebalance into what areas, and the asset allocation. Sometimes it's better to be over here than over there. And, you know, those people who just ask to allocate across a broad spectrum, I think, are doing it wrong. Thanks for the question, Gwen. Appreciate it. Okay, the stock market is overreacting because of fears about the economy. Is that really overblown or not? Are there, are there, is the stock market fear about the economy overblown? And so uh, that is really a debatable question. And it's always the timing of this, okay? But there's there is a there is a, a growing feeling that a recession is not that far off. Some people say 2019. Some people think I think it might be a little later in 2020. If there is no recession in 2019, there is going to be a slowdown in GDP. And we're yeah. seeing that. We talked about it before. Yeah. You know, we're at about 2.4. This this quarter will probably come about 2.5, right, in the fourth quarter, uh, yeah. probably roughly. Yeah. That would be the slowest GDP growth for the entire year. Yep. Okay. So, obviously, the economy is slowing, and we no longer have the tailwinds of a, a tax cut, uh, and we have tighter uh, monetary policy globally, not just here in the United States, and higher interest rates, which is affecting the housing market. We've seen that as, as well. So, the big question, I think, is, what about what? What is the liquidity situation going to look like through the end of 2019? Is the ECB going to raise rates? And we know they're going to end QE start of the year. That's Are they going to raise saying. rates at all next year? How many times is the Fed going to raise rates? Are they going to continue with QT, meaning uh, rolling off of their balance sheet? And just so you know, the ECB, European Central Bank, I mean the EU, yeah. European Union, they're. Look like they're going to fall into recession because uh, G- G- Germany, which represents 20-25% of the whole EU, had a negative quarter. Just the most recent quarter was negative growth. Shrunk. Yeah. It's yeah. shrunk, in other words. Well, uh, there, if you have two quarters in a row, that's a recession. Mm-hmm. So the, e- the EU could be in recession, yet the ECB is going to stop QE, which helps 
prevent recessions or yeah. try to, and they're going to raise interest rates, which will reduce liquidity in a system that needs more liquidity. Yeah, I would put good money that the ECB does not raise rates next year. Yeah, I, can't. I guess they're going to QE probably, but I can't imagine them raising yeah, rates at all. I can't either. I can't either. So you know what? And try to remember that whenever the recession comes to the United States, because we are going to have one, just when the stock market will react way before you see it. Okay. Yeah. So the stock market will react, it, and now the question is: Are we seeing the first beginnings of that reaction now? I, I think what's happening in the market right now—you've seen the choppiness, right? We were kind of in a trading yeah. range over the past month or so. Right. I think the market's trying to decide, and it's kind of waiting on the ECB and the Fed. So the ECB meets on Thursday, the Fed meets next week, and how they project their uh, their monetary policy through 2019, I think that will uh, the market will start to make up its mind where it wants to go post those meetings. You know, there's a lot of shorts, a lot of positions of shorting the market, and then there could possibly be a, be a short squeeze. That's true too. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, and for anybody that doesn't know short, what a short squeeze is, is you can look it up in Investopedia. Mm-hmm. A short squeeze and that's one of the reasons why some of the best rallies in the market come in bear markets because there's a lot of you know the market sells off real hard shorts jump in they don't really know what they're doing you get to support and suddenly the market starts to bounce and then the shorts get ran out they start to gotta buy they gotta buy back yeah they gotta buy back and that pushes pushes the market up exactly and not necessarily long term either so don't yeah jason san diego how you doing jason good good i recently changed jobs and i rolled my 401k over into a IRA, mm-hmm. and it's got about $14,000 in it, and that's about all the investments that I have. Now I'm wondering what do I do with it. It's not really enough money that I feel like I should invest in individual stocks. Do I buy mm-hmm. a mutual fund or a couple mutual funds, or what do I do with about $14,000? You buy several mutual funds, not one, not two. Maybe... At $14,000, I would probably buy maybe four. Okay. Okay? If you're in a 401k, you may not have very many choices, though. Well, I rolled it over into an IRA now that I changed jobs. Okay, okay. okay. Well, that's why I'm wondering what do I do. I only had limited choices before. Right, okay. And now uh, it's wide open. Okay. I would roll it over into either Fidelity Investments, you know, with all the Fidelity Mutual Funds. They have a program, a no-load, no-transaction-fee program over there where you can buy any no-load mutual fund, not just Fidelity, all Uh of them. And so does Schwab. They have what's called a Schwab One program that does the same thing. I'm not pushing one company over another. I don't. Yeah, you know, I don't have an axe to grind either way. Sure. But they have programs that you can buy a number of mutual funds, no load and no transaction fee. The problem they have, though, is there's usually a holding period, which I don't like. 90 days. You can't sell it within 90 days of your purchase. But you're probably not going to sell it that soon. But yeah, you know, for me, I don't like the restrictions. But for you, it'll probably be fine. Then once you do that, you want to pick some good funds, some very good funds. Where's the custodian now, Jason? Scott Trade now. Okay. Scott Trade is not a bad place to be. You can buy mutual funds in Scott Trade. Even if you buy no-load funds, mm-hmm. they might charge you a trading fee. It's called a transaction fee. Find out what that is, okay? And my guess will be between 20 and $30. Okay. You can do it from Scott Trade. Just find no load, no transaction fee funds. They've got a list of hundreds 
of funds okay. that are like that that say that they're in their program with no commission or fee or Oh, anything. perfect. They don't have a transaction fee? Well, they've got a list of funds that don't, and it's a pretty respectable list. Then you're going to pick from that list, Jason, because I guarantee you there's at least four of them over there that are pretty good quality funds. Look for a good mid-cap and maybe small-cap growth and value. And also, one of your four picks should be a international fund. Okay. Maybe 20% in the international. Because I had debated over whether to have four funds like you just mentioned or just get one total market or S&P 500 or some. I understand that. And one of your funds could be an index fund. That's not a problem. If you're sticking with the market for long-term, index funds are fine. I would suggest, though, that you can probably do a little bit better if you find a good good manager of the mutual funds. So go to Morningstar.com and check out the funds. See what their ratings are. See how they're done against their peer group. Are they always in the top tier of their peer group? If they are, that's the fund you want. When you look at the Morningstar and they have four and five-star funds, some folks have told me that five-star fund is maybe all played out and that you might want to look for a good four-star fund. Is that correct or no? I'm right in line with those folks, whoever told you that. I like three and four-star funds. The underachievers that are trying to be overachievers as opposed to the overachievers that have already achieved. I have found in my studies that five-star funds generally underperform going forward. Should I be worried about the size of the fund at all or not? Yes. Well, you're asking some good questions. I like not to have more than a couple of billion dollars. I like to have a few hundred million dollars under management. I don't like the big ones. Why? Because they become the whole market and you might as well buy an index fund. Yeah. So stay away from the big guys. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate the call. Very good question. See, now that's a perfect question for everybody else to listen to. It's a really good question. Do you have questions about FDIC security, mortgages, money market funds, losses to your retirement plans? Give us a call today, 888-99-CHART. Tina in Oakley. How you doing, Tina? I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks for calling. I had a question about life insurance. Sure. Uh, whether to um, invest in term life insurance versus universal life insurance. That's easy. Term life insurance. This is okay. what you do, Tina. Believe me, the guy who's selling it to you is going to try to talk you into universal life. Right. Because he's going to tell you what a great investment it is. He's going to tell you that you can make lots of money and that you never lose money. And plus you have the insurance part. What a great thing. You know what it's a great thing for? It's a great thing for him because he makes a ton of commission on those things. It's not a great thing for you. If you took the same amount of money, let's say you you buy term. Term is much cheaper, right? Right. If you took the difference between the premium on the term and the premium on a whole life or universal life, if you took that difference, in other words, that amount of money you would pay if you bought that old whole life policy and invest it in anything, mutual fund, dollar cost average, and any mid-cap mutual fund, you would make a lot more money, a lot more money than the insurance vehicle could make over the next 10 years. You would. That is the smart thing to do, Tina. Thanks so much. Thank you. Appreciate Uh the call. And how can I say that with all the certainty in the world? Because I used to work for insurance companies. Okay, what stresses everybody out? What three things in order stresses everybody out the most? This was a Northwest Mutual survey. Justin, you got an answer? What's number one? Three things. Public speaking? No. 
Not even on, not even one of the three. Uh, money. Usually there money. you go. Usually, money is yeah. the number one, which is logical, right? Mm-hmm. And then number two is personal relationships. Well, yeah. I mean, your your spouse, friends. That and then number something. three is work, which all makes sense. Yeah. Most people are pretty stressful about those things. Yeah. And it's what the the article went on to say. Well, how much is this? What kind? What is it? What what stress causes? In your health, what are the what are the what is it doing to you? First, it starts off with leading to depression, migraine headaches, then ulcers, then eventually a heart attack. If you don't do something about your stress levels, these are these are the path that you go down. Which I thought was interesting. I never saw a path before. You know, depression first, and yeah. then headaches, and then migraines. Not just say ulcers. Uh, really, and then heart attack. I guess that I didn't, I didn't, death would be next. I didn't yeah. know it was a, a progression. I'll, I didn't either. I'm going to ask uh, my girlfriend's a doctor, so I can yeah. ask her how that works. But it was interesting. She was telling me um, heart attacks. If you're under 40 of a heart attack, it's extremely rare. Extremely rare. The only thing that causes heart attacks when you're under 40, typically, unless you have a heart condition. You have a heart condition. But drugs. Oh, really? Cocaine, overdose, things like that. That's good to know. Yeah. I'm, I'm over 40, so I'm, I don't fit that good. Don't have a heart attack. Yeah. This is Invest Talk. I'm C. Peasley with Justin Klein. And you can call us right now. 888-99-CHART. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Let's go to James and San Mateo. How are you doing, James? Hi, Steve. I love your show. I have a quick question. If I were to trade full time, what type of entities should I set up? Or should I, for tax reasons? If you're going to trade full time? Yeah, I'm you, just, just curious. You mean as far as a corporate structure or limited partnership? Exactly, kind of? exactly. For okay. uh, for is, depreciation, for like it's like a business. Okay. What type of, do you recommend to set up something or? Is it just going to be you trading for yourself? Yes. Okay. Then you probably do a uh, you could probably do a sole proprietorship. Set up an okay. entity called a sole proprietorship under uh-huh. your name. I would probably start there because you don't want to incur costs by setting up a corporation right from the get-go. Let's first see how you do and see if you make some money. You know, you always got to learn to walk before you can, you know, can start to run. Right. And, okay. And, and you even want to crawl. So at the first point, at the first step is to set up a sole proprietorship, treat it like a business, set up a separate account under the sole proprietorship's name, and it would be James, your last name, sole proprietorship. You know, you can name it whatever you want to, but I would put James, whatever your last name, sole proprietorship, open up an account under that name, open Uh up a checking account under that name so that any expenses you incur come out of that business. Treat it just like a business, and you can do that, and that's how you start. So you open up your trading account at wherever E-Trade or wherever trading company you're going to be, and under that name. So then you have a business. Okay, okay. Now you can also take on clients, by the way, up to $25 million in, in other people's money without having to file anything with the SEC. What do you mean by that? You mean like so let's uh, say you, do you let's, just trade their account? Or do yes. You like, kind of like, yes. okay. So okay, let's say so. your brother says, you know, you've done so well, I'm going to give you 100000 bucks. You trade my money too. Or your uncle or your neighbor. 
Well, you can take up to $25 million without worrying about the SEC and doing filings and all those really headache things that they, they make you do, that I have oh, to I do. See. Okay, so if you okay. stay small, you're kind of under the radar system. I see. Okay. And I do know a lot of guys, James, who do that. They stay small on purpose just so they don't have to do the reporting. Oh, okay. 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 Good okay. luck with Appreciate it. I hope it. it works for you. Thank you, Steve. Bye. Thanks, James. Now, what is too much, since we're in the holiday season and everybody's buying everybody else gifts, when is it too much gift spending by grandparents on their grandkids? How much? It's never too much. What never too much, about? you know, and that's what the grandparents feel. They feel that they can't do anything wrong. And this is the problem. There's a balance there, a delicate balance between the parents trying to set boundaries and grandparents paying no attention to the boundaries. By the way, uncles do that too. Just to yeah, because you're an uncle. Yeah, that's right. Yes. But, and I don't really care about those bands, so I can totally understand the grandparents. Yeah, you position. take them out to the movies and buy them all the candy and popcorn and sodas they want, don't you? Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I do. Whatever they want. Yeah. Not make them sick. So the, so the question is, AARP, you know who they are, right? Yeah. For retirement the American Association of Retired People. Yep. I, get, I got an ARP uh, mailing when I turned 30. Oh, did you? Yes. Already? They're <laughs> soliciting They're <yours>. soliciting me. <laughs> That's funny. Anyways, the number one thing they do is to buy presents. Number two is the vacations. Number three, the spending by the grandparents is schooling. So they, 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 of the $28 billion spent on toys last year, $7 billion of it was by grandparents. $7 billion. I wonder how they figured that out. I wonder where that came from. Mm, I, I wonder if credit card companies, if they have that data, you know, in aggregate, maybe not specifically. That's true. If they but, know your age. They know where you spent money. So the point is, everybody, if you're spending money on uh, – your grandkids, you might want to have some care what your your kids are saying about their children. Because try to put yourself in their position because that's where you were. And probably some of the problem here, Justin, is we have a much wealthier economy, a much wealthier class of grandparents than in history. In history. And we, they don't have a ton of grandkids. No. Because uh, the birth no. rate of... The yeah. younger generation is two. falling. Yeah. Right? Is it two? Maybe two. Yeah, maybe, yeah. So so there's more money on less kids? More yeah. money to spend on less grandkids to spend it on. And there's a, baby boomers, there's a lot of grandparents out That's there. That's right. Right? So I don't know if this problem is going to be solved. I don't know if it is really a problem, to be honest. I, I don't know. Well, I think it's all about how you uh, raise the kids and make sure they're not spoiled. Yeah. Which is hard. It's hard if you have... If you spoil them too much, they become spoiled by nature. I'm Steve Pisa with Justin Klein. This completes another Talk program, and we thank you for joining us, and thank you for your loyal support and all those questions. Have a nice evening, everybody, and we'll be back, or I'll be back tomorrow. So good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. 
For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 